White Sox fans, Alyssa Bergamini, your in-game host for your Chicago White Sox, and you are watching the best podcast on the south side of Chicago, South Burbs Hitman. Make sure you tune in. What is going on, everyone, and welcome to this episode of South Burbs Hitmen. For the South Burbs Hitmen, I am Joe Mandel. I'm one of your hosts, joined by my White Sox brothers in arms. I'm talking about Steven Zim Zimmerman, Vinny Parisi, and our buddy Chris Gonzalez couldn't be with us tonight. Uh, we've got a very special guest who we're going to bring on in just a moment. Uh, but before we do, guys, I just want to touch on briefly injury palooza for the White Sox right now. Just about every big name you can think of. Well, not every. I hope I don't. We don't have to get to that point. But everyone's injured. Vinny, quick thoughts on our injured, injury plagued start to the season. The White Sox played with the Tigers' food with half a lineup and half a pitching staff. Um, the bullpen blew one game. Really, what's nine plus nine plus nine? Twenty-seven. They played <laughs> with the Tigers' food for twenty-six and a half innings. So, ah, when this team's fully healthy, they're awesome. And I believe they could beat anybody in the American League in a seven-game series as they stand right now. I think they can make their lives even easier by adding another starting pitcher or maybe another bullpen arm for some depth. Don't go trade, you know, a top prospect for Kimbrell. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Another solid, a Graveman, another version of Graveman, something like that. This team's awesome. And – I was a little skeptical going into the season. I was nervous. Of course, you're going to be nervous when you're missing guys. But, I mean, so far, so good. The Mariners are going to be tough. Maybe I'll be eating my words by this time next week. That's a tough schedule, Mariners, and then Rays, which we'll dive into later in this show. But the White Sox are awesome. It was a great opening weekend. I was thoroughly impressed. It certainly was a great weekend. And 
Real quick, Steven Zim Zimmerman, thoughts on the weekend and the injuries, and then we're going to get to our guests and talk some Cuban baseball shortly. Uh, injuries suck. That's, I mean, there's no <laughs> way around it. <clears throat> Excuse me. It, it's it's rough to start the season this year, especially after, you know, we kind of started the season the same way last year. Um, you just hope that the injury luck gets better as the season goes on, that as this team gets healthy, uh, they continue to improve. And in addition to that, that the guys who have to step up when the injuries do happen continue to play the way they did this weekend. Gavin Sheets stepped up big. Um, Andrew Vaughn, clutch when he needed to be. And uh, Harrison filling in at third base looked pretty good over there. I got to yeah, say, really, I was, really I was nice, impressed. Really nice spin throw, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, for a guy who's uh, pretty much been a, a second baseman most of his career, very nice to see him. You know, showing some versatility, flashing the leather, and making making sure that we're not going to miss Moncada too too much, but we're still going to miss him for sure. We'll definitely miss him for sure. And uh, well, that's a great way to start the show. And now, without further ado, we can bring on our very special guest. And of course, our guest for tonight is from CubaDugout.com. Phil Selig, the guy knows Cuban baseball inside and out, and he is now our second time guest on the show. Phil, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, thanks, sir. Thanks for having me back. Oh, no problem at all. It's uh, There's a lot of exciting Cuban baseball players on the White Sox and in the White Sox organization. And um, obviously, you know a little bit about that, a lot of bit, <laughs> spending some time down in Cuba. Uh, but, you know, this is your second time on the show. We're so excited to have you back. You know, Luis Robert appears to be fully healthy and poised for an MVP-type season you know, have you, how have you seen him grow since his time in Cuba and what are your expectations for him this season? I think the sky's the limit. So I have said, um, I've said before that, uh, if healthy and he looks like he has rebounded and, and, and been healthy and especially, uh, kind of in the, uh, the latter half of last year, the, the sky is the, uh, the sky is the limit for this, uh, for this kid. He's got more, uh, more tools than a, uh, than a home Depot. And uh, I think especially with um, the age that he's debuted, um, if he does what um, if he does what it looks like he's capable of doing could go down as not the greatest one of the greatest uh, Cuban uh, ball players of all time. Yeah, I mean, just the electricity he brings every time he takes the field, it's just uh, it's unmatched. I, I, I took a little bit of flack on this show for kind of saying that he could be one of those players that could be a sleeper MVP candidate on this team. Because everyone's like, oh, Jose Abreu, Jose Abreu. I I don't disagree, but I mean, let's be honest. Luis Robert continues to show he's got the stuff. I mean, just playing some highlights here. I mean, this this kid can just hit the ball with some power. Dead center here at at, at guaranteed rate. I mean, uh, he continues to do it over and over again. Um, do you have any injury concerns with him after his season last year? I, I hope not. You know what? Um, as you kind of mentioned off the top there, um, the White Sox are, are struggling with injuries and a lot of teams will, um, you know, kind of coming out of a, a long off season and short spring. Uh, I think that, um, you know, I think last year was just a little bit freaky um, for, for a guy that clearly takes care of his body is still young and, and has the athleticism that he does. I'm, I'm not, um, he's not the player that I would be concerned with that. Um, so, so I think that uh, basically if I'm, if I'm the white Sox, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm putting them out there every day and I'm, I'm not worried about, uh, I'm not worried about injuries at this point. 
you're preaching here. I mean, we're, I think this is a guy that can just be one of the best players in the league. And uh, it's just amazing that the Sox are able to put together the team that they have. And, you know, speaking of the team they have, you know, Jose Abreu is in the last year of his deal with the White Sox. You know, he continues to be an RBI machine year after year here in Chicago. I'm just curious, do you envision him staying here or moving on after the season? Not that you know, but I'm just curious, based off of the player you knew from Cuba and you see on the White Sox, I'm curious your thoughts on the situation there. I, I think he's been fiercely loyal. I think he's uh, he's been upfront about that, um, you know, kind of uh, with the current roster construction. Uh, and, and where things might uh, go down the road, uh, you know, some of the players um, that uh, and some of the prospects, obviously, they're, they're looking at having more roster flexibility. But I think it would be a mistake uh, to move on from from Abreu if the uh, if the terms are uh, are suitable for the squad. I think he's a guy that's going to age um, well. I mean, in terms of you don't need him to be. Um, probably moving forward, I don't think you need him to be that uh, that 100 RBI guy smack dab in the middle of the lineup for the sake that I think Rober and uh, and, and and Eloy are the guys that you expect to kind of fill in there. But if you can uh, bring him back as a veteran, playing solid defense at first, that um, just even that approach with runners in scoring position, that I think is going to be a guy that, that that ages well, that if you bump him down to the five spot, the six spot, um, as, as time goes on, that you know that, uh, that veteran presence that any time that you have ducks on the pond is going to give you a professional bat. That um, that skill set, I think, is going to age well. Yeah, I mean, Jose is just one of those guys who's Chicago staple, and it's just hard envisioning anyone other than Jose playing first. I know we have Andrew Vaughn. The kid has been nothing but outstanding. Uh, just I would love to see Jose spend his whole career here in Chicago. I think we could all agree that Jose Abreu has been – uh, the the glue to this team for quite some time, and it's just great, uh, great getting some insight on him. Um, obviously, you know you you cover a lot of Cuban baseball, and you know I'd have to ask, you know, have you had any trips to Cuba recently? And if you have, what were some of the highlights? Yeah, so so I did have the good fortune of uh, spending two weeks in Havana at the end of January and the beginning of February, which coincided with the launch of the 61st Cuban National Series. So I uh, got to spend some time with uh, with a few of the players uh, off the field and and uh, at the website Chronicle um, some of those aspects. So um, trying to diversify some of the storytelling, but uh, specifically um, with one of the young pitchers who's recovering from uh, Tommy John surgery and seeing how that process is and in on the island and, and so one of the things about cuba is sometimes with uh, some of the uh, of the lockdown it didn't look as if that baseball was going to be uh, returning anytime soon so and on top of that just being away from the uh, from the canadian winter was uh, was fantastic so <laughs> two, two weeks away at that point immersed in in baseball was uh, was uh, was was good to recharge the batteries yeah i bet that's exciting stuff, especially you know getting getting a little bit back to normal and, and going going down to Cuba. It's, that's got to be exciting. And and well, at, at at that point, you were probably a little concerned that might be the only baseball you see this year, right? <laughs> well, so I, I do kind of joke that at least um, you know if if the majors had 
had had screwed that up that um my backup plan is i do always have that in, in my back pocket so uh, a little bit spoiled that way but uh, no very very happy to uh, to have as much baseball as possible both uh, still watching in in cuba that their their season is still ongoing but uh, that uh, the majors are back and and it looks like we're 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 off to a good start and it looks like it should be an exciting season yeah no thank goodness for that i think we can all agree that uh, more Major League Baseball, the better. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and toss you to my co-host, Stephen Zim Zimmerman. Zim, why don't you take things away, my friend, with your questions? Thank you much, Joe. Thank you, Phil, for coming on for your second time. We do appreciate you spending your time with us. Um, nope, something we talked about. Time. We appreciate it. Well, something we talked about last time you were on was uh, Sox farm system a little bit. You know, Sox, mm-hmm. very, very... Um, I guess, well-known that they've gone after some high-profile Cuban players. And most recently, we've seen Yoelki Cespedes and Oscar Colas come to the White Sox. Uh, Yoelki Cespedes particularly had a very good spring training for them. Um, Have you seen – do you keep up with them? What kind of updates uh, to their game have you seen with since they've joined the White Sox? And, um, you know, what, what? when would you project them to hit the league? based on what you recall then versus what you're seeing now. Yeah, no. So um, I actually do keep in touch with, uh, with Yoelki every now and then. And um, one thing, um, if, if you see some of, uh, I believe it's uh, Chuck Garfine uh, did an interview where he's been working on his English. And uh, so it's very cool to, to see that and see that he's putting that, that effort in. And so uh, both, um, both are, are going to be starting their first, I guess, full pro season uh, on state side. There was some debate over whether that would happen for Colos due to some tax considerations, but uh, it looks as if they've uh, they've worked that out. And and so I believe what he's starting at uh, high A, uh, whereas Yoelki's uh, starting the year back at 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 double A. So. You know, we saw we saw some good things out of him um, at points last year. You know, it, it was um, it, it was a path just to get stateside, and I, I believe he had some visa issues. And and then when they finally kind of uh, brought him on, he you know played at a couple different levels, showed some flashes, uh, showed quite a bit of what we think uh, will be good. Um, you know, he's still still striking out a little bit too much, but uh, overall did show some good patience. The, the one thing that I am seeing out of uh, more out of him as we kind of see some of the highlights from from a few years back is he is uh, he does seem to be taking on a little bit more of the swing mechanic of his uh, of his of his half brother, which is resulting at least in small sample in, in, in more power. Um, I would have predicted or, or I thought that. Um, he would be more of a, a high contact player. So I guess uh, in, in today's day and age, you know, uh, the, the home run uh, gets you paid. So it does look like that's uh, like that's uh, improving for him. Uh, only concern is obviously, I think they want to see um, a few different things out of him. So, so a little bit, uh, a little bit more pitch recognition, cut down on the K's, a little bit more contact overall. But uh, I, I would think that the, the White Sox have to be pretty pleased with where he is, uh, right now, even if the uh, the short uh, spring sample tantalized uh, tantalized fans, I don't think it was ever in the cards for him to start this year anywhere near the major league roster, and obviously that's why he's at Double A. And even the Pollock move, I wouldn't say uh, worries me about the the prospect of it. That for the sake you could still see him kind of towards the end of of this year. And um, you know, at the very least, uh, with with him and Colos, I think you're 
for what for where this market has gone for what you actually did spend on the two players is not a huge sum for the sake of the potential upside and so i mean in a, in a dream world i would love to see uh you know uh Kolos and probably in right uh, rover in, in center and yoelki in left but uh, it gives the team options especially where they're in uh, win now mode yeah and and it's it's exciting to see just his development in general and uh yeah. i know a lot of white Sox fans are really excited uh, White Sox Twitter is crazy. Everyone wants them up right now, but uh, I've been in, in the camp of get him, get him as much time as we can, yeah. at least the full season in the minors, develop those skills, yes. and then and then bring them up. That's why it's very nice to have your input, Phil, because it really helps us temper these expectations. Like I said, he had a great spring, but we have to keep in mind he's still a prospect. He's still developing players. So, yeah, I like I like hearing what you see for the future, especially with Oscar Colas, because I mean when we first heard of him he was called the cuban otani and mm -hmm. last year you kind of helped us temper some expectations you know maybe not think of him as quite the two-way player that he was uh led on to be in the in the media so it, has that changed more over the last year is he starting to refine his craft just as strictly a fielder or do you still think he has any kind of viability as a two-way player I think he's exclusively going to be um, just be a be a hitter, be be an outfielder. Although um, they are exploring, I think I saw some highlights even even today that uh, the Dash are uh, are using him in in center field, which I won't uh, won't predict. That's where he'll end up. But I, I, I'm also not going to blame a, a team when you've got a, a young toolsy. Uh, athlete to try and find out in, in, in a ball whether or not that can that can work i think eventually he does straight out to a corner spot um i would lean so, but it's tough too like i said that's why um not to get into too deep a prediction whether yoelki him uh either makes it both of them make it i mean they, they can give you that flexibility my uh instinct is you know colas has a has the arm for right field but actually so does so does yoelki um yoelki would probably uh, be more of a natural or have a more natural inclination towards center field but by the same token you've got a you've got another stud cuban in center field so uh hopefully rover's going to keep that uh, that locked down for for a long time so it is it, it does give options i know that um maybe some of the buzz and maybe i'm i'm guilty of some of this you know built videos and, and we're talking to me because of it uh <laughs> the excitement uh the excitement's there but uh they are still young kids and and i think uh joe as you kind of alluded to that um for everybody that wants to see them up right away just pump the brakes you know if it's uh, if injuries do call and you know we see that's inevitable but i think you want to see um specifically for Yuelki, who at least is let's say six months a year ahead uh in having spent some time in the states um to at least have them play you know half a season at one level and just see how they respond to that respond to living stateside and, and before you really want to uh, to mix in but you know, you could also have the flexibility, like I said, with 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 injuries that if they either one one of the two kids. But again, I would lean probably more towards you all can get that call first that you bring them up for a short stint in, in June or July. If someone goes down with an injury just to kind of see how he responds, that maybe is a late inning defensive replacement. Um, th that's kind of the trajectory I would see for for 22, uh, 2022. I like hearing that, though, seeing seeing these young guys this year as a as a realistic possibility is Nice, nice to hear about the farm system when uh, 
MLB.com wants to dog on the Sox's farm system as much as they do. <laughs> so, um, speaking of farm systems, so I got I got one last one for you. You know, Oscar Colas was the guy last year coming out of mm-hmm. Cuba that we all heard about. Everybody was kind of pawing after him. Uh, do you have a name or two that we should watch for this year that maybe we could see another big hype for 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 a prospect coming from Cuba to the U.S. So the market has really changed, and and so um, I think last uh, you, you can you might know better than this, or you can correct me on this. That I think the White Sox still have some international money left, probably not not a huge sum, but where where dollars went because there are a couple mature players um, that had some success in the National Series that that their timing getting out uh, wasn't great. Um, so in a, uh, Lloyd L. Chappelle, who was the rookie of the year a couple of years ago and, um, in, in a Geisel Cepeda, uh, two young athletes that I don't necessarily think are, 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 are at that, uh, at the level of some of these other players, but, you know, played in the same development system. And if the dollars, you know, kind of flush out to, uh, where they've been pushed down to, you might be worth taking a flyer on. Otherwise, uh, the market has really changed and, and, uh, the players getting out are much, much younger and it's closer to that Dominican example. And we saw that specifically uh, this year. I actually have a video up on my page looking at the, the top five, uh, Cuban signees this year. And all of them were kind of in that 16 to 18 range that, that, that resembles a very big, um, a very big change. And so. I would say that um, next year's uh, signing period is probably going to be um, probably some some names that um, or I'll, I'll phrase it this way. I think that the the market is going to change. Um, I don't think you're you might see some of these these names kind of come out of nowhere um, th- that sign for at the top of of that particular market at least until and I think. Uh, you know, we've discussed. Uh, I think Vinny, you and I discussed a little bit about the uh, the, the potential international draft. Um, that's gonna, if that comes to fruition, that could really change things. But um, yeah, I guess um, I, I don't have a, a lot of great names right now. But one name that does intrigue me, and and a kid that I've met before, and um, and and actually have uh, seen play, but in in little league, and it's kind of funny to think that's what we're talking about at this point, is a youngster named uh, Christian uh, Sayez, um, who actually was from Cienfuegos, and I, I call him uh, Junior. Uh, junior p2 just because uh, i have a photo up on on twitter with um, from a couple of years ago and, and i said for for reference i'm 5'11 195 pounds and this 12 year old kid is dwarfing over me and so um he, he recently <laughs> left so i think when he uh, turns 16 there'll be a lot of a lot of people clamoring for him but again i think the market's changed and and it's getting closer to um, closer to the, how typically the Dominican signees work. And, and, you know, a lot of these kids that um, are getting out younger and younger. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to understand why, when you see how many great prospects are coming out of the league down there, it, mm-hmm. yeah. you, you want to get on top of the talent as young as possible so that you can really develop them while they're still malleable, mold them into the players that you think they can really truly be. So Thank you very much, Phil, for answering my questions. I'm going to let Vinny ask you a few here. I know you've spoken to him recently, so I'm sure he's got some hot ones coming at you. <laughs> I don't know if there's a more perfect person to come on this show and talk about White Sox baseball than Phil Seelig. I mean, that's right. this team is built on Cuban players. And even some of the foundation and the history is based on 
Cuban players. And one of the people that restart that kind of started the rebuild as a whole was the White Sox trading Chris Sale to the Boston Red Sox in exchange for Yoan Moncada. And, you know, I would say that that trade, Moncada's not the best player on the team. He's probably not even top three right now, but he's incredibly important to the team as a whole. And he's missing, you know, he's injured right now. He's not going to be back for, you know, about three weeks. And I'm curious what you believe the White Sox are missing when Yohan Moncada is not in the lineup. Yeah, no, I think um, as you kind of alluded to from from the get go, and 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 that is uh, he is a kid that I did see play uh, in in Cuba, and from the get go, I think the expectations were a little bit un, unrealistic. Uh, first and foremost, they projected him as a shortstop. I knew, um, or I had the feeling that that wouldn't be the case for the sake that he played second base in Cuba and, and played second base when he first came over here, but obviously has made a, a wonderful adjustment to, to third base and, you know, provides you with uh, gold glove caliber uh, third base defense. And so, you know, if you look at uh, if you look at some of his numbers, I get it. People want more, and and I think you know if you recognize he's he's twenty six at this point. I think there is more in there if he if he does come back from from injury. I think it's just a matter of he's almost a victim of of the expectations. And as you mentioned, how how he was acquired, and you know you're, you're giving up a, an ace that goes and helps the the Red Sox win a World Series. And so uh, does that does that dump on it more? But uh, you know, you look at a you look at a guy that uh, maybe he's not going to be your number three hitter, uh, your number four hitter, and 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 maybe not put up the numbers that at one point were projected. But um, I look at that and think that, especially with the culture of that team, he slots in there perfectly. And uh, I, I think there is still a lot to 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 do there, or sorry, a lot uh, of room for improvement for him there. And if he's hitting seventh for you, that's you know, that's one hell of a talent you've got uh, hitting hitting at that point in your lineup. And so I asked you this on Crosstown, Crosstalk, but I want our South Ribs Hitman audience to catch this as well. Um, I talked about how Moncada is kind of the face of the rebuild in a way. You know, I said it once, they traded sale for him. We talked about it. Good, good player, turned out really good. But the White Sox franchise as a whole is in a way built on Cuban – baseball and players coming out and the first black player in Chicago sports history is one mini Minoso. And he's one of the, you know, foundation foundation Cuban type players of all time. And I'm curious what your reaction was when he made it to the hall of fame earlier in the off season. Yeah, it, it's no doubt it, it it was time. And so, you know, Cuba has a rich and diverse uh, history of being uh, being a little bit more progressive. So um, don't necessarily want to, to to completely overstate that for the sake that, um, you know, they they integrated their baseball in the early 1900s and um, have been doing a little bit more research and put out some some videos and pieces uh recently on uh, sort of the connections to the to the Negro Leagues and then vice versa that opened up that that culture for players to finally kind of come over and and uh, once once Jackie Robinson broke the uh, the color barrier for for the likes of a mini Minoso to uh, to come in and, and have a have a massive impact and and it's um, you know probably it took too long but uh, it's a guy that uh, to a T you know any of the Cubans for uh, for the White Sox specifically, but most that uh, that follow the history of the game will will tell you uh, just the how how they look up to him, and and so 
I think it's it's no surprise, and it was a masterstroke by uh, by the White Sox to uh, to kind of uh, include him and and uh, as as an ambassador, I believe, and and uh, especially with some of uh, the other players that have come through as well. So Jose Contreras um, during that period, um, you know, it, it it's it's so easy now to look at it and see what Jose Abreu has, has become, but it was a little bit of a leap of faith, at least in, in the dollars that they were putting out there. But part of the, the way that they were able to attract him was that history, that the history with Minnie Minoso, but also with, you know, Jose Contreras, um, you know, being able to uh, to to vouch for it and, and still knowing what's going on the island and, and read recently where you know you told them you better sign Alexei Ramirez uh, I'll I'll pay half his salary and and you know they both played for the same uh, I think there was some uh, no Contreras probably left no there was actually some cross section between them when in in Pinar del Rio and so that uh, that lineage that history um, creating that culture. I think is immense and, and it's why the White Sox have been able to, to reap the rewards that they, that they have with the uh, Cubans that are having the impact that they do. There was a recent, I want to say it was uh, Brave's rookie year. I can't remember if they were presenting him with a silver slugger award or uh, rookie of the year. There was something they were presenting a Brave with and they had Minnie Minoso take a picture with a Brave, both in their White Sox jerseys, like two generations far removed from each other of awesome, you know, Cuban baseball. Mm-hmm. Is that picture or is that moment as important to Cuban baseball fans as it kind of comes off that it would be to an American like myself? So it it, it depends. There's it's sometimes it's hard um, for uh, for Cubans to get coverage of of the MLB game. Um, there is some gnashing of teeth over that, and and you know it's kind of having an impact, and that soccer's moving in some ways uh, outside of when telecasts of the current games are on. So there there is a desire um, and 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 a pride for anyone that 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 has gone on to to have that success. So um, I know that. Um, now, when when I was in Cuba, some of my friends are a little bit older. Actually, one one gentleman is a pitcher who pitched in the first uh, Cuban National Series back in 1962, oh, wow. and so his his English is uh, his English is very good. My uh, mi español is poco poco, but we uh, we live somewhere <laughs> in the middle. But uh, you know, especially talking to him, the the eyes light up. Um, and, and just in, in, in kind of him and his friends knowing that I knew some of that history, but uh, to see their eyes light up talking about Mini Minoso and, and, and the players from from the past, but also uh, some, of, some of the current ones. Um, so there is an overarching knowledge, even if um, not everyone can keep up to date all the time, but some of that's opening up as well with uh with instagram and, and twitter that i see more and more kind of of the today's players that that i follow or I, i've become friends with on the island uh, are sharing highlights of their favorite major league players so i think there's um you know there, there's obvious divides make no mistake about it but um the one thing that unifies cubans of all stripes is is baseball uh that love of uh the national team and and their 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 team in Cuba, but also any Cubans that have gone on to have major league success. That's a good answer. I appreciate that. Um, Zim asked you a similar question to what I'm going to ask you. He wanted to know about some upcoming Cuban players that might be coming out. Um, I'm wondering if there's somebody who's already made it that is maybe like a Moncada where they're a really good player, but somebody in California might not know exactly how good Moncada is quite like a Chicago one does. You know, is there somebody like that in the, all across Major League Baseball for any team that us guys here in Chicago, guys and girls in Chicago following baseball should 
really pay attention to as baseball fans in general? So I, I think that um, of of the the Cubans that are out there, and and um, if you mean in terms of if you're not following another team or another city super or closely, somebody who might be it, underrated. Yeah, so I don't know if this guy's underrated, but the guy that that jumps out of me is is Jordan Alvarez for the Astros. I think um, I, I think you're going to see him do more and more, and he um, he's one of those players that uh, kind of falls let's call it in between so and and what i mean by that is you know you've got your you've got your abreus you've got your yuli goriels guys that are a little bit more mature that had massive success in the cuban national series uh that have come to the majors and 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 have replicated that success uh otherwise you have a big cohort of players of which you know many we've touched on before that are in that, you know, maybe had a, a little bit of uh, time in, in the national series and, and are much younger. So in between you have um, kind of a lot of players. I don't want to call them uh, bit players, but, you know, uh, an Alidmus Diaz, who I think is a, a fantastic uh, utility player for, uh, for the Astros, but by no means a star. Uh, so there's, there's a little bit of a gap sometimes. I think Alvarez fills that gap and being still young enough, but closer to that Goriel kind of a Brayu uh, mold than anybody else that, that, that we've seen. Very good. I'm excited to watch him. I, I know he's, he's had some, Pretty nice moments there with the Houston Astros. And I enjoy watching Cuban players play all across baseball. There's hardly a team that it impacts more than the Chicago White Sox in present time. So, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I can't thank you enough for coming on our show again. Did, thank you. Did you see that ball that he just hit off that building? Hang on. Let's replay this again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the moonshot of all moonshots. Yeah. Watch this. Hang on. This is insane. Look where this ball bounces off of. Just look at the top of Wow. Yeah. Well, I would I would be remiss as much as I don't necessarily uh, count him in this category uh, if we don't talk about the the home run that Jorge Soler hit in the in the World Series and and so that um, that's probably the most mammoth home run I, I've seen any Cuban hit. Uh, that might be the angriest home run I've ever seen someone hit in a World Series yeah. and and that that was a that was a backbreaker. So it was good to, good to see him uh you know sign sign with the Marlins there and and you know they they've always struggled to kind of court that Cuban audience so maybe that'll help. And and I think that um I think we'll see a little bit more of what he did in 2019. I, I don't think he's got another 48 homer season in him, but I also don't think he's as bad as uh, as, as as he was towards the end in Kansas City. So he, he's another intriguing player as much as, um, you know, how long until the Marlins probably trade him. So May I ask you really quick before you yeah. go, why, why is that with the Marlins? Like you would think that if there was a U.S. city that pulled in Cuban players and Cuban audience more than everybody else, it would be Miami, Florida. But no, uh, negative 10 degree Chicago, Illinois is recruiting guys like Luis, Rob and Jose Abreu to come to their team. Yeah. And so I think that, um, you know, the Marlins are, are a strange beast and, and you know, kind of a lot of the, the Cuban sphere obviously runs through Miami. There's a lot of great, uh, a lot of great work going, coming out of there. And so I've discussed layers of this with, uh, with a few people that are there. Um, I think the easiest way to say it is that they, they kind of missed the boat um, and part of it by being cheap versus what I, I can't comprehend that especially for a team that was going kind of uh, well, they're always going through a rebuild, but team that was going through uh, <laughs> through a rebuild specifically around the time that the the Brayus and 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 uh, Roberts uh, kind of came through that 
yeah, you would have had to pay a little bit more up front, but what that potentially could have meant for, for courting that audience. So it was, it was just being cheap. Now, at the same time, um, they, they do, they've tried to fix that a little bit. Um, a couple of years ago, they spent their, uh, the peak of their, or the top of their, their international pool money on, on two brothers, Victor, Victor Mesa and Victor Mesa Jr. Uh, Victor, Victor, um, it's getting late early for, for him, but uh, I think Victor Mesa Jr. could be, uh, could be a great, uh, a great piece for them uh, moving forward. But yeah, I think it's, it's just, maybe they, they cheaped out at the wrong time and are now trying to uh trying to re recover on that but with everything that's going on with jeter kind of stepping down they're 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 in transition but you know, at the same time that that plays down the fact that they actually have done a good job of putting together some pieces that pitching staff looks like that's got a lot of upside so you know um until their next fire sale it looks like they're at least on the right path yeah that's that's incredible stuff. And the knowledge you bring every time you come on this show, Phil, is absolutely unparalleled. So we would be remiss to, to not thank you and say what great content you have over. Uh, and if people want to get more, of course, I'll pull it up on the screen so everyone can see. You guys can head over to cubadugout.com and check out everything Phil has going on. You know, you can check out lots of videos. You can check out, you know, he's got links to all his social media here. Um, it's easy to go to cubadugout.com. Make sure you check it out. And uh, Phil, before we let you go, uh, is there anything specifically you want to touch on? You have coming up? Uh, anything you want to plug before we let you go? No, I, I'm I'm as I'm as excited as I think most Sox fans are to see the impact that um, you know the guys that have already been there have, are are going to have. Uh, I think Rover, like I said, is. Um, I'm not going to stick my neck out and say MVP candidate because that's brash, but I also wouldn't be surprised if at the, at the end of the year, we're looking going, this guy, this guy did it. Um, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see, um, very intrigued to see the paths for, for Cespedes and, and for Colos and, and sorry, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, I actually think there's, there's a potential path where, where Yolbert Sanchez could, could be one of the first players that, that gets called up. So, um, yeah. you know, and, and Norhe Vera is another player that, uh, that I've chronicled in the past that, um, you know, same, same thing. I don't want to get people's hopes up too high, but I think that kid has a high ceiling, but similarly the, I've seen some people say that, you know, they want him called up right away, pump the brakes on that. But uh, if he, if he hits those checkpoints, I think, I think you, you could be looking at, uh, you know, a premier starting pitch, the likes of which we haven't seen out of Cuban quite some time. So there's uh, there's a lot to like in, in, in Chicago, um, you know, overall and especially with that uh, that Cuban contingent and I'm, I'm as excited as Sox fans are to see uh, to see how that plays out yeah we are we are beyond excited and uh, we're so grateful that you're able to give us all this knowledge and uh, it, it's a little sneak peek I feel like last year we talked about Colas and Cespedes and now here they come splashing onto the scene you know next season Maybe we're talking something completely different. You know, it's, it's just exciting to see, you know, how it builds year after year. And I'm sure that's one of the coolest things about you being able to go down to Cuba and see all these guys kind of develop. I mean, that's that's got to be super rewarding, I would imagine. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, I, I love that aspect of it. And, you know, it's, it, it is a complex, uh, complex country, complex scenario. And so uh, just as a baseball fanatic overall, I do love to see uh, Cubans thriving at, at all levels. Um, I, do, I still want to see the Cuban National Series thrive and do well. Uh, so unfortunately, a lot of the success in the majors is at that expense. But, you know, uh, if guys are, are playing at the top level and making as much money and changing their lives, that's, uh, that's probably more important than anything. So. No doubt about it. It's uh, it's always great to see those stories for sure. And looking forward to see what these guys can do into the future. So Phil, again, thank you so much for your time tonight. And uh, we'll, we'll have you on again at some point in the near future. Uh, maybe we'll, maybe when these guys are, you know, the number one seed heading into the playoffs in the American league. <laughs> I wouldn't, hey, I, w- I wouldn't count it out. So excellent guys. Thanks for, thanks for having me on and we'll, we'll chat soon. Sounds thank like a plan. You. Thanks again, Phil. Hey, take care. Have a great night. Ladies and gents, Phil Salik from cubadugout.com. Make sure you head over there. Uh, you can follow him on all those different social media accounts. You can follow him on Facebook, uh, of course, on Twitter at Cuba Dugout. It's it's just such great content. And let's be honest, Cuba has got some really great talent for baseball, guys. I think the number one team to look at to tell you that is our Chicago White Sox. Uh, Phil Salik always brings it, brings the fire. He knows his stuff. And uh, let's be honest, I'm excited for some more baseball, guys. We've got three games under our belt, um, but it doesn't feel like enough. Let's get to 162, but I don't want it to happen too fast. Uh, I feel like I could ramble on and on about this. But, gentlemen, you know, let's get to the regular part of our show. You know, thanks again to our guest, Phil Selig. You know, amazing stuff. But, uh, you know, I wanted to dive back into the injury bug, Vinny. there's one injury, you know, we talked about Lance Lynn, you know, we talked about, well, we didn't talk about Lucas Giolito, but I think everyone understands that he's going to be gone for, for a hot second. You know, is it me or do that? This could just be Joe being Joe, but I feel like the most hurtful of the injuries right now is Joe Kelly, because I feel like he's a guy that we could really use in the middle of that bullpen. You know, I, I, Lucas Giolito is a big loss. I'm not saying that him and Lance Lynn are not, but missing Joe Kelly in that bullpen, you know, is a big deal. A, a, am I over? Or am I overselling the significance of the Joe Kelly injury, Vinny? I don't think you're overselling the Joe Kelly thing. Bringing back a reliever who could potentially have an under two ERA is certainly it would help any team in baseball. Anybody who denies it is crazy. But if I could bring back one of the three, it would be one of the two starters. And I would probably go with Giolito just because I think the upside is higher for Giolito than pretty much any – well, I guess I won't go there. Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech have incredibly high upsides as well. All three of them are just young stars who could just throw 100 and mix in some nasty stuff. So I would bring back one of the starters. I think the bullpen's deeper. It went from a bullpen that had six guys that we trust heavy – to being down Kelly, Kimbrell, and Crochet. Kimbrell's not coming back. Crochet's not coming back this season. And Joe Kelly will be back, what, a month, month and a half? So (laughs) He's on 10-day IL. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with Joe Kelly. But, you know, all three of them are going to come back to this lineup. I'm talking about uh, Giolito, Lynn, and Kelly. And they're all going to make impacts in different ways. And maybe if they had Joe Kelly on Friday, or yeah, Friday, they would have won. 
because they would have pushed Bummer to the eighth inning, Liam in the ninth. Definitely. Yeah. Now completely differently. Um, but maybe if Giolito doesn't get hurt, he goes six strong. Then they put Graveman in the seventh, Bummer in the eighth, Liam in the ninth, and then everything changes. Those guys are in innings that they're used to pitching in. They're in situations that they're used to pitching in. And pitchers are weird. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Pitchers are weird when they're not in something that they're used to doing or designed to do, made to do. Sometimes what happens, happens. Liam entered a dirty inning, a dirty eighth inning, no less. And, you know, allowed the Tigers to score two of Bummer's runs. And then that tied the game. And in the ninth, he looked like dog crap against Baez. You know, he left him a pitch that he could just absolutely hit to the warning track. Yeah, the catch should have been made. But, you know, sometimes stuff like that happens. Giolito coming back, you know, I can't wait for the day. Um, we'll see. I know we're going to preview the upcoming games in a couple of days. but And I have a theory on what they should do with starting pitching. But they're not going to listen to me. Um, ah, I don't think you're overreacting. I also – I just think the bullpen's a little bit deeper than the rotation. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. And and, and Zim, I, I, we talked a little bit about Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn being gone. Gio, in theory, with this abdominal strain, they're calling it, will miss only roughly two starts. Um, are you concerned at all about that being lingering? Yes and no. Um, <clears throat> core injuries are weird. They're not very common, and when they do happen – they're either freakish or they're there forever. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I'm more of the opinion that it'll be just kind of a freak thing. He'll be good to go because of how quickly they were able to determine what happened, how long he'd be out. You know, usually when these kind of injuries happen, if you know right away, it's it's a good sign. So as long as there's no setbacks, as long as he does what he should do, and there's no reason to rush him back, right? We're in April right now. We got a long ways to go. No need to rush these guys. No need to try to force them to get healthy right now. Let's worry about that in August. So I'm not really concerned about a lot of the injuries as a whole right now. Not just Giolito, but, you know, we're talking about Kelly. We're talking about Pollock, you know, so on and so forth. As it goes on, let's worry about health in September more than we worry about it in April. It sucks, but... We'll get there. Hey, we're getting through it. We got we've like we did last year. We got through it, and look what look how we did last year. So you know we'll just navigate the waters as we go. That's it. The Sox have options to get through it. The Sox absolutely have the the means to support themselves through it all. And yeah, like you said, we'll get through it. Hey, it's the only way we can do it. We got to get through it. That rhymed. You know, I I worked hard on that one, guys. I'm, I'm. I'm really proud of that. Um, but anyway, let, let's dive headfirst into our first segment of the show. It's the part of the show where we get to pick apart Tony LaRussa in a segment we like to call LaRussa's Locker. Yes. LaRusso's locker. Uh, we have an interesting three games. Obviously, the first game didn't go the way that we expected. <clears throat> you know, a lot of people can, cru- you know, crucify Tony for a couple different things. But, you know, at the end of the day, Tony relied on his closer in a situation that you should be able to rely on your closer. 
But uh, Vinny, I'll let it. I'll let you start it off. Do you have any issues with the handling of Hendricks on Friday in the season opener? I do not. Um, Liam Hendricks was the reliever of the year last year. There were four or five instances where he came in the eighth inning with two outs last year and got a four-out save. And he's not prone to doing that. He's done it many times. I believe in Liam as much as I've ever believed in a White Sox closer, probably ever. I mean, Bobby Jenks in the playoffs in 05, but that's also a guy who made the jump from double A to the World Series. So um, I have no issue with it. It's the first game of the season. He hasn't pitched since. Um, He hasn't really been needed since. They've had a four or larger run lead in each of the last two games. So Liam never needed a save situation. Um, We will see him against the Mariners. I have no doubt about that. Um, And he'll be awesome, probably. I mean, he he also had April Arm a lot last year. People might remember. He gave Mm -hmm. up a bomb. I want to say they were playing the Mariners. He gave up a bomb, and then Nick Madrigal had to have the walk-off hit. You guys might remember that. Oh, it was against the Texas Rangers. It was against the Texas Rangers. And that happens in April sometimes. Pitching's going to be bad. We talked about it on this podcast last week. Pitching's going to be bad in April. There was a short spring training. The hitters were ready and the pitchers weren't. And obviously you got some guys who were able to come out and dominate because they're superstars and they're elite, like Giolito, um, Robbie Ray, who the White Sox are going to see in this series coming up against the Mariners. Had a really awesome first start. Otani was really good to start off. But, you know, then you got a guy like Garrett Cole, who's also known to be for being an elite pitcher, and he was terrible in his first start. So early season pitching, I don't take too much stock in it. Um, La Russa is relying on the guys that are given to him in the bullpen, and I respect him for giving Sosa his first career MLB opportunity. He succeeded in it. Tanner Banks, same thing. Uh, this Crick guy, I like Crick. Kind of a yeah. fun last name to say too. He got he was credited yeah. with the win in Sunday's game against the Tigers because Kopech only went four innings. It's a, such a stupid rule. Kopech can go four innings, but because the starter didn't reach five, he can't get the win. But the one guy who comes in and gets two out or three outs in the fifth inning, and that's the only inning he pitches, that guy can get the win. Tell me how that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. It makes it no is. sense whatsoever. Two innings, I understand. Three, sure. If you want the starter to get a win, but I mean, I, that's just crazy to me that Crick got credit for the win. Anyway, I digress. Larusa, I didn't have any problem with the way he handled the series. He's going to make mistakes in April. It's what it, it's how he handles the bullpen in October that I really care about Larusa at this point. Um, as long as he doesn't forget any extra inning rules or leave a guy in that clearly doesn't have his stuff, like I think we heard Giolito say at one point early last season. Um, another year knowing this team a little better for Tony LaRusa. So no, I have no issues with the way he handled Liam Hendricks. It was just an unfortunate situation. Like I said, the White Sox dominated that series for 26 and a half out of the 27 innings they played. Yeah, uh, uh, it's true. And, and, and Zim, I go ahead, take it away, man. I got Sorry. nothing else. I've just been caught off guard that there's some news breaking right now that the White Sox are, uh, reportedly very close to a Frankie Montas deal. Um, I know we're going to talk about that a little later in the show, but it may get pushed to the forefront. I'll keep monitoring that for now. Um, <clears throat> what I was going to say, though, is the handling of Hendricks. 
circling back to what started this whole conversation, the handling of Hendricks, I think, is indicative of a much larger point that's happening with this White Sox team this year. And that is the aggressiveness and the willingness to win that they have that I saw in this series. Now, it might have just been them beating up on a weaker opponent as they should have. Right. But you put your position, your players in a position that you expect them to be able to handle, like Vinny said. And by putting Hendricks in early in a bases loaded situation, look, that guy should get that job done. And it's a, it's an aggressive move. It is a move that basically puts it out on the table and says, this is what we got beat us, you know? And frankly, that's what you should be doing. But I noticed it a lot while they were running the bases, while they were making their plays in the field, they were making Detroit make the play against them. That's something that aggressive teams really try to do. They weren't sitting back and taking their bases. They weren't sitting back and taking their pitches. They were selective and smart with their pitches that they swung at. It was almost, it was a a collective team effort throughout the entire series. You saw them working these pitchers deep into the count. And in addition to it, when they were on the base pass, if they thought they even had a chance at getting that next base, they took it, right? They forced Detroit to make some throws on them. And there were some plays where they were caught dead to rights, but because they forced the issue, it caused the receiving player on the play to make an unforced error. You know, there were a couple of plays at the plate I can think of off the top of my head uh, in game two of that series where catcher just outright missed perfect cutoff throws because he's too busy about the guy charging downhill at him from third base. And, you know, you I, I think I'm sorry, I don't remember the third base coach's name. I want to say McKinsey. I mean, he was about to take off. He was waving guys around the base so hard all week. McEwing? McEwing, I'm sorry. Yes, I should know that by now, but I, uh, it's all I'm, good, just, I'm so caught up in all of this. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's really a nice approach to see from this team, the way, especially after the way that they've played in previous years, where they kind of play, I don't want to say scared, but like last year, it really felt like Tony was kind of like putting guys in a position to succeed and kind of trying to protect some of them, not all of them for sure. There are a few guys where like he wasn't going to put them in a position directly to fail. Whereas this year he's like, I'm putting it all on the table. It's up to you guys to do it. And I really like it. It's, it's not just a manager expecting his team to step up, but it's a manager um, showing his belief and his faith in his team. And I really like that. I really like that approach this season. Yeah. You know, it's Tony, He's always balls to the wall, man. You know, I hate to see that image when I think about Tony La Russa, but it's true. You know, this this guy just likes to really uh, go at it all the way. Uh, I can't unsee that now. I'm sorry, guys. Um, we're gonna just going to edit that part out of the show because I can't believe I just said that. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's, let's move on from that ridiculous statement. But nonetheless, Tony, Tony gets things done. And uh, I love I love that approach. For, for an old guy, he's, he's kicking those tires pretty darn good. Um, but let's 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 move on. <laughs> let's move on from Tony. And we'll, and we'll monitor, of course, the Frankie Montas stuff in the background as we do the show. Uh, we got a comment here from PZ in the chat. Oop, not this one. I'm sorry. From Vince saying, uh, as long as we don't give up Vaughn in the trade. I, you know, we might talk about that later. We'll use that as a tease. We have compensation. 
It appears compensation. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is this is a fake account. It got me. Continue. Okay, we will continue, but uh, we will talk about this later. We'll use this as a tease in our guaranteed take, which you're not at yet. That's at the end of the show. Uh, but PZ does say Tony wants to win every game, and I cannot argue with that. And he doesn't think of tomorrow's game at all. No, that's the cool thing about him, and that's for the old school part. Like He doesn't overthink anything. I think Tony just shoots from the hip, and he wants to win every game. I think that's... But, but he can shoot from the hip because of all the experience he has. You know, that's what I love about it. But, you know, let's get on to our next segment of the show where we talk about players that, that didn't do so good, players that pooped the bed the week before. It's in a segment that we like to call the Adam Dud of the week. You suck. You suck. Suck. Stupid. Ozzy. No excuse. What a Dud. What a total, total dud. Joe, I gotta ask you before we do the Adam Dud of the week. Who is that in that clip saying no excuse? Is that Tony LaRussa saying that's that? Tony LaRussa? Okay, yeah, I figured it sounded just like him. Um, I want to let you know I sent out a text to somebody that I trust deeply with that has sources inside of the game of baseball. And I asked him about the Montas White Sox rumors, and he just replied, checking. So we'll see if he responds before the end of the show's over. Vinny got the insider. That's what I like. He's 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 on the inside. Vinny will bring you all the scoop. And I'm not talking about a rainbow cone, but we'll talk about that later I in the am. show, too. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a rainbow cone right now. I wouldn't Probably bother like you type of guy who's saying no to a rainbow cone? No. I mean, no, I don't think anyone can say no to a rainbow cone, but that's beside the point. Uh, but let, let's talk about some of the players that pooped the bed last week. And there was a few. And PZ nominated one in the chat already, and I think he's probably on everyone's minds. Everyone's nominating Liam here in the chat room. You know, Hendricks, it's, there's no way around it. He, he didn't get the job done. But, uh, but it's, there's, there's one other name that I have on the list for this week, guys. And, you know, he's a guy that got – Eight at-bats. Eight at-bats is nothing to shake a stick at opening weekend when there's only three games. Larry Garcia went 0 for 8 with two strikeouts. He did not get it done at all. So Mr. Garcia is indeed not the legend, but the Adam Dud of the week for me. Uh, Zim, do you have a nominee? Uh, I was going to say Liam. Um. I mean, it's pretty easy. Two pitches, and he effectively lost game one with those two pitches. You know, a, a two-run RBI – or two, excuse me, two RBI single and then a hit batsman on his very next pitch. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard to start a season worse than that. Well, I mean, if there's anyone that's going to bounce back from it, we know it's going to be Liam Hendricks. Um so that's the thing I admire about him is is the kind of personality he has. He'll come, next time he'll come out, he'll completely forget about that. So, uh, Vinny, do you have a nominee here? Um, my nominee for Adam Dutt of the Week, I, I, Liam was the first thing that came to my mind, but Liam saved himself with his post game interview, in my opinion. I like I love that guy, like. Oh, well, now we're just going to go win 161. He was being sarcastic, 
because he knows that sometimes you just lose baseball games. Sometimes early in a season, you might not have your stuff and a ball might bounce off the wall because Javier Baez hits it really hard sometimes. Like, you know, no, should he have thrown a fastball right down the you-know-what to Javier Baez? Of course not. But the next day, Dylan Cease got away with it twice in each of Baez's first two at-bats. And sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't. So that's my rebuttal. I, I don't know why I should be crap-talking somebody during Adam Dunn of the Week instead of saying why they're actually good. But <laughs> So if I have to pick somebody over a three-game stretch, I'll pick Bummer because Bummer – he kind of put Fair. Liam in a tough spot too. I believe yeah, he did. three of or two of the three runs Liam gave up, or I guess it would be two of the four runs that Liam gave up were they credited were bummers. to Bummer. Yes, that is correct. Bummer is the one who loaded the bases to set Liam yes. up in that position. Yes, absolutely. And Liam, he made a good pitch to Miguel Cabrera. He hit it like Miguel Cabrera's got. He broke what? the bat. Yeah, it was a good pitch. He, 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 yeah, if you break a guy's bat. And he gets on base. He got lucky AF, the hitter. And Miggy's got 3,000 hits. Of course, he knows how to, you know, jam himself into a hit even sometimes. that Even in his older age, that guy, he's so good. So every now and then that's going to happen. Aaron Bummer, Leary Garcia, he was awful in April last year too. And then he got really good as the season went along to the point where on this show – all four of us agreed that Leary Garcia should be playing second base over Cesar Hernandez. Yep. who was just brutal. So, you know, I, I, that's why Adam Dunn of the Week is my favorite segment because I get to talk crap about someone. I like talking crap about people. But over three games, it's hard for me because Bummer got yeah. unlucky. Or Bummer had a tough game and Liam got unlucky twice. So Yeah, no, it's true. And, and, and you know, Larry Garcia just didn't have good at-bats uh, this no, weekend. I, I, I was actually kind of disgusted from what I saw from him. So – that's why he's my nominee and a lot of good options here. But the, on the other side of the fence, guys, I would say there's a lot better performances than there were bad. And Vinny, what do we call that segment again? I believe we call that segment the Put It On The Board Player of the Week. Ball deep. Way back. He looks up. You can put it on the board. Yeah, we were cooking with gas uh, offensively and with a few pitchers in this three-game series. I'm sure it helps that we're playing the Tigers, but as we mentioned, it's a it's a pitcher's ballpark out there, that's for sure. Um, but there's a lot of great pitching performances and a lot of great offensive performances. Vinny, since you went last last time, we'll toss it to you first. Who is your put-it-on-the-board player of the week? My put-it-on-the-board player of the week is – None other than the guy who should absolutely not be traded under any circumstances, unless Larry Garcia. Circumstances, I'm not. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky was traded in his prime. Um, I wouldn't trade Andrew Vaughn, and he had an amazing weekend. He was one of Chicago's best players, and he can hit. He can hit in clutch moments. He was almost the hero of the one game of the weekend that was a disaster. And we've seen him produce runs in ways that aren't via the home run. He's had a couple clutch, you know, doubles and singles throughout the series. So Andrew Vaughn, my player of the week, I thought he had an outstanding series and I cannot wait to see what the rest of the season has in store for him. 
Yeah, man. Uh, this kid is just raking. Jim Tomey has been one of his mentors. I mean, he's got all these great bats around him. He is the first baseman of the future for the White Sox, as much as it pains me to say it. I mean, Jose Abreu is on his, I don't want to say on his way out, but he's approaching the end of his career. And uh, hopefully that's with the White Sox. But nonetheless, we hope Andrew sticks around because that kid can swing the stick. Stevenson Zimmerman, who was your put on the board player of the week? It's um, it's a little tougher once we get past Andrew Vaughn, but you know I picked a pitcher for my pick to click, so I'm gonna stick with pitchers and go with Dylan Cease. He looked like he was in midseason form already in his first start of this season. Eight Ks and five innings pitched with only one earned run and two hits. Like that's that's a really good line, no matter what time of year it is. To do it in your first start of the season, that's got to have this kid amped up picking up exactly where he left off last year, just like a lot of these guys have. And <clears throat> excuse me, it's just good to see, you know, he's finishing his pitches. Um, you know, something Giolito struggled with at the beginning of the game on uh, uh, on Friday, he was struggling to kind of finish his, his pitching motion and get that ball down. He, he was, he was ramped up noticeably so and deservedly so, but Cease kind of kept the emotions in check. It's something that he struggled with early in his career. Uh, did not have that issue at all this weekend. He was pinpoint accurate. He did exactly what he needed to do. Um, and he is well on his way to being a legitimate Cy Young candidate. I'm, I'm with you 100%, Zim. And this is a guy that this this trade, that might end up being one of the best trades in White Sox history, as, as Vinny had pointed out. I mean, we can thank the Cubs over and over again, but it's not just for Eloy. It's also for Dylan Cease. And at the end of the day, that's yeah, all very you- much so. Absolutely. How do you get two stars out of that deal? Like, that's just – that's such a good trade. Yeah, big-time stuff. And, you know, I, I could go offensively with my put-it-on-the-board player of the week, but I'm going to go with a player who's been in the minors forever – that made his major league debut this weekend in Tanner Banks. He threw two scoreless innings with four strikeouts and absolutely dominated the Tigers to end that game on Sunday. Uh, so he's going to be my put on the board player of the game or player of the week. Um, even though like that game was already sealed his stuff, it looked fantastic. And this is a guy that most people didn't expect to be seeing. So props to the kid and hopefully he got to keep that first strikeout because that's pretty special stuff. And and, and another good move by Tony La Russa to put him in in the situations he put him in. Gave him a chance yeah. to succeed, set him up for success. You know, like, like I talked about what Tony did last year, he protected some players. Seems like one of the guys he might kind of keep an eye on this year to build that confidence. So when they really need this Banks to come through in, in a big way, he's got the confidence and the experience to do it. Yep, and uh, there were so many good performances, it's really hard to just pick a few. <laughs> uh, I mean, Absolutely. honorable mention, Bennett Souza, um, Eloy Jimenez, A.J. Pollock, Jose Breu, uh, Reese McGuire defensively, um, which, Zim, if you want to briefly touch on that, you can right now. I, I do have a video clip, so you, you tell me if you're ready for it or not. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all ready for Reese McGuire. We can we can talk about him to, uh, to Kingdom Come. No, I'm just kidding. I just want to touch on a couple quick points here. Right. We talked about him a little last week, but we did not have time to really go into depth as he was very recently acquired. Didn't really have time to research him. 
looked into him a little more. Very, very solid defensive replacement player, right? When I mentioned last week that he and uh, Yasmani Grandal have very similar defensive metrics, something I didn't take into account there is sample size, right? These Mm -hmm. guys have very identical defensive metrics. The difference is Reese McGuire's played in about one sixth of the games, right? Yeah, that is statistically very significant. So we're getting a guy who late in games when Grandal kind of might need a break, or or you just you you need your best defenders out there to really clutch up and come through at the end of the game. Um, something that uh, Phil and I talked about before the show is the one place on the field where you can kind of afford to lose some pop at the plate is catcher because it's sure. that important defensively. We saw it, it come through in yesterday's game, uh, Reese McGuire's first game of the season with the Sox, where he picked a great pitch up out of the dirt, nailed a guy at second base. And Joe, I think you've got a clip ready to roll on it. Yeah, I certainly do. So let's take a look. Uh, the play happens quick, so I have it played twice. But let's yep. check out this dime of a throw from Reese McGuire. McGuire's throw is there. That was a bullet. Oh, Reese McGuire. Great job by Andrew Blaustein. McGuire's throw is there. That was a bullet. Oh, Reese McGuire. And let's let's point out that Austin Meadows isn't slow either. That's exactly what I was going to point out. That was Austin Meadows. He is not a slouch on the base pass by any means. Might not necessarily, you know, be your wide receiver that takes the top off the defense, but he is a very, very speedy young man. Um, you know, and to contrast that with Yasmani Grandal, who also made some great defensive plays at the plate this week, it was due to his own mistakes that he was forced to make those plays. Give credit where credit's due. He absolutely came through and made the play when it needed to be made, but the play shouldn't have been needed to be made in the first place. I think I worded that right. Yeah. <laughs> you so see the ball just bounces out of his glove. You know, it wasn't a good pitch. I'm not going to not going to try to defend him and say that was a good pitch by any means. The ball just bounces out of his glove. He got full glove on it. I would consider that a pass ball. I don't know what the official scoring was. Javi Baez takes off for home and he makes a great throw to Lopez who did cover the plate in plenty of time to take out Javi. So it is what it is. You know, like I said, in the end, it's going to end up being a wash when you consider how much, uh, Yasmani is more valuable at the plate. So he will get a lot more playing time. But, you know, on days when his legs need a break, but MVP also needs a break, yeah. go ahead and throw Yaz at, at DH. You can trust Reese McGuire behind the plate. I feel very confident in Reese McGuire. And I'm not trying to say all this just because of this one play he made. Go through, look at some of his career tape. The guy can play defensively, that is. He certainly can play defensively. Yes, Finney? I have an update. What's the update, sir? The update is as of right now, it's fake news. Okay. Well, that's what I like to hear because, well, I mean, we want Montas, want but we don't want we don't want to give up Vaughn. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. I'm we very are, happy we are fully that. aligned there. Well, you heard it here, folks. Fake news right now, and uh, as our our buddy uh, Phil Selig from Cuba Dugout mentioned here in the chat a little while ago, uh, Oakland can probably move him for way more until they after until the All Star break or at least the first major injury which is probably a good point i would be shocked to see him dealt in the first week of the season but uh anything's possible i suppose but nonetheless gentlemen 
we got through our put it on the board players of the week. And now we're going to head over to the West Coast and, and see what our buddy Gonzo has to say in this week's edition of White Sox Weekly. Yo, what up? It's Gonzo here, and this is White Sox Weekly. To begin the opening series, a guaranteed rate field this week. It's going to be Tuesday through Thursday versus Seattle Marners. Game one is likely going to be Vince Velasquez versus possibly Marco Gonzalez. Hasn't been confirmed at this moment, but that's what it is likely going to be. Um, game two is going to be Robbie Ray versus Dallas Keuchel. Um, Southpaw matchup is going to be an interesting one as Robbie Ray was a AL Cy Young um, Award candidate last season, and he's on fire right now. Um, game three is going to be Lucas Gilbert versus probably Lopez, or they call up Cueto. That's what I would probably see. And it's going to be a tough series as Seattle is going to be contending in the AL West and good matchup for the White Sox here. So this week is going to be versus Tampa Bay Rays Friday through Sunday. Game one on Friday is going to be Corey Kluber versus Dylan Sheesh Nasty. And Cease had one hell of a performance versus uh, the Tigers at Comerica. And I'm pretty sure he's going to continue that on Friday versus the Rays. Game two on Saturday is going to be Patino versus Michael Kopech. Kopech hopefully continues to progress. He's, he has a flaming arm with amazing stuff. Don't get me wrong. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do versus a competitive lineup versus the Rays. Um, game three game three on Sunday is going to be Yarbo versus Vince Velasquez. That's going to be probably a bullpen duel if I had to guess at it. But overall, I love the series on um, the second series of the weekend versus the Rays. And I'm, I have a good feeling that the White Sox are going to pull ahead in that one. Um, I do think they're going to struggle versus Seattle, but that's just my opinion. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a great uh, series this week versus two prominent teams in the AL. And I'm very excited to see how the White Sox do versus them. Guys, back to you. Thanks, Gonzo. Appreciate the update per usual. And even though you're not with us right now in person, we appreciate you being with us in spirit. Two more weeks and the Gons will be back in the house. So yeah, we appreciate you doing it and, and chasing your dreams, doing what you got to do for your life. And uh, we'll, we'll have you back sooner than later. But, but Vinny, you know, tough, tough, tough this weekend with the matchup for the White Sox. They get the tough Mariners and arguably the tougher Rays. You know, what are you looking for this weekend in this series um, to set the White Sox apart? Like, how can we come out over 500 this weekend? Well, the White Sox have scored a run in the first inning of all three games. I believe they are the only team in Major League Baseball that can say that now. Um, Those are two very good teams, and they were both very good teams last year. But we think the White Sox are a very good team. So if Robbie Ray goes six strong, gives up one run or less, that won't surprise me because I expect Lucas Giolito to do that to them later in the season. Um, you know, that's kind of how aces work. You know, that, that's why he makes all this money. Yeah. Um, but then again, this White Sox lineup, if two or three guys connect on a fastball against Ray and they win the game three to two, that wouldn't surprise me either. So in order to come out ahead, I think they need to score runs early, make their pitchers feel comfortable. Um, the Rays just figure it out. Like anyone can go there. They develop pitching prospects as good as anyone and they develop, or they take old veteran pitchers, bring them there, and all of a sudden they're awesome again. Uh, for example, Corey Kluber has basically been terrible since leaving the Cleveland Guardians, 
And, you know, his first start with the Rays, he was awesome. So we'll see if he's mm-hmm. able to keep that up. Of course, it's a long season. But whenever the White Sox play the Rays, it's just like, all right, put on your best, put your best foot forward. It's not at Tropicana, which is nice for them because it's hard to be a yeah. road team there. Um, they will play there eventually. But, you know, I'm looking for the White Sox to go at six games this week. Do go four and two. If you lose one to each team, that's fine. But, yeah. you know, even if they go three and three, that would suck. But without Lynn, Mancata, Giolito, Kelly, those good teams are going to be able to take advantage of some of those holes sometimes. And that's just how baseball works. So I'm, I think there's a – it's early. It's April. So I'm not going to say there's a lot on the line. But they they don't have everything on the line, like I said. But it's also like a measuring stick early on is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. So go out there and prove it. Yeah, yeah for sure. You don't want to get pushed around early in the season like this. Like these are teams that – if you're going to be the best, if you're going to be the contender that your fans and your clubhouse expect you to be, these are the teams that you got to beat. I'm going to give you two words that tells you why they're going to beat these guys and go four and two or better this next week. Tim Anderson. All right. He is back in the lineup. His sure presence is. was felt very strongly on Sunday when the White Sox scored more runs in his season debut than they had the previous two days combined. Uh, And that's saying something considering they did not just score one or two runs in those games. They put up four and five runs. Yeah. So Tim Anderson is a spark for this team. They were well above 500 when he had one hit at least in games last season. And here's this. They only lost 17 games all of last season, 17 out of 140 plus games that he appeared in when he had two or more hits. Get get wow. Timmy going. Get Tim rolling and this team wins. That's that's it. So I'm T- with Tim you, Anderson is is the man that's he, with him being in the lineup. It's going to revitalize this team. And just like I did last year for the blackout game, I'm going to guarantee that this team wins tomorrow in their home opener. Wow. I like it. You're like wow. Joe Namath. Look, the Sox show Vince up in these, on games. The mound? <laughs> in these games where that they need to win, you know, elimination games aside. They win. <laughs> I'm just saying in the games, it's it's funny because, you know, in the games that you expect them to win, they might not always win. But in the games where like you feel like you go to the stadium and you say, yeah, they're going to win today. They got this. There's no way they lose it, it. They have the same mentality and they win. It's weird. It's almost like they just need to carry that kind of energy into every game. Maybe they will this year. Who knows? I also believe. What Gonzo said, I believe tomorrow is going to be a bullpen game. If Velasquez gives up or Vasquez has a tough second inning, he'll pull him. So easily, yeah, easily. I mean, unless it got like crazy out of hand, but no, I still don't think so. All right, man. That's uh, let's see what happens. I I I kind of wish I could go, but I kind of don't want to take off work. And I kind of, you know, I would feel horrible leaving my wife alone with the baby. So um, I think I'm going to watch the game from the comforts of my couch. But I'll be back at the park later this year. I know I know we all will. Are you going, Vinny? 
I am going to be there on tomorrow and Thursday. Oh, you salty dog. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> salty dog. Finny, what's your goal for games this year? I know you usually hit like 20 to 30 games, but. Yeah, last year was 33. Okay. Um, You're going to hit 40 this year? If I include Wrigley, I'll hit 40 because I go there and root for the other team quite a bit. Um, We don't need to talk about that. Well, I'm selling you at least two games, Vinny. Yeah, so I have the two this week, the two that you got me, and I'll, I'm going to I'm gonna do everything I can to get to that game where they give away the, uh, what do you call it? The hockey the swing. Dreams. The hockey oh, jersey? Hockey. Yeah, yeah. So, like, hockey and baseball are my two favorite things besides my family. So, like, I – I have to get to that game. It's harder to think like down the line in the season. I'm sure in August when it's a hundred degrees and I have nothing better to do than to go to the games, then yeah, that's kind of what happened last year. A good portion of them were in the latter portion of the season, just because that's when start, stuff starts to get more exciting. The, the house is a lot more packed. They're, they're in a thick playoff race. I think it might be a little closer this year. That might make it more exciting. So it's going to be interesting. A lot. That's the goal. I know I would I would love to be there. Um, just tough to swing. There's a lot of tickets left for opening day, guys. If you're watching this show, there are tons of tickets out there. So uh, go pick them up because uh, I would love to be there. It's it, it it's just sometimes it's just hard on a Tuesday. Um, but White Sox baseball is not. It, it's like Christmas and it's like Christmas in April, uh, and it might feel like Christmas, but it's supposed to be halfway decent tomorrow, Vinny. Last time I checked, seventy. Yeah, so hopefully that's what it's all about. And, um, you know, now let's get to our pick-to-click section. You know, I, this was a bit of a hot topic between the South Burbs hitmen uh, this afternoon. Some people uh, disagreeing on who won here. Uh, I picked A.J. Pollock, who had a great week, but he got injured and he didn't have a great week, as great of a week as some of the other guys. Zim also picked a guy who had a good performance but got hurt in Giolito. And it comes down to pretty much Gonzo and Vinny. Gonzo had Luis Robert, Vinny, Aloy Jimenez. And guys, I, I, I have the stats pulled up right here so we can just kind of, oops, I'm zooming in on the wrong screen. Let's blow it up a little bit bigger for our, our viewers. Aloy Jimenez, if you look here, five RBI, a walk, and he had 10, 11 at-bats with three hits. I mean... He only hit 273, but five ribbies and a walk. Then if you go check out our boy, Luis Robert, while he did hit 385 on the week, he only had one RBI, but he did steal two bags and score two runs. I'm sorry, score three runs. Um, so it was a bit of a hot topic here, but uh, Zim and I talked about it, and we both feel that Eloy had the better week just because of the hits and driving guys in uh, Vinny, I know it's your pick and you're probably partial, but how do you feel about it? Um, I'm indifferent because like I said, all I care about is the white Sox winning. So if I come in dead last of these, but all your guys lead to them winning, I don't care. Um, in this specific week, it just kind of depends what you consider better. Do you consider better the guy who started the result or do you care about the guy who finished the result? What do you take more mm -hmm. stock in? Robert had more hits and more runs scored 
and Jimenez had more RBI. And I believe he was on base the same amount of time, I don't recall. I Maybe Robert got on one extra time. But, you know, it depends the starter or the finisher. That That's basically what you have a debate here. Um, normally, and I'm not just saying this because my guy's the one who would win in this situation because I really would be saying the same thing if roles were reversed. I would take the finisher. You know, I would take the guy who gets credit for the runs going up on the board. Robert's going to sure. do any of that this season. He'll probably do that more than any other White Sox player this season. Um, oh, for sure. I'm assuming that the war would probably favor Robert. Probably. Yeah. He plays better defense and Jimenez almost injured Robert and Jimenez on the same yes. play. But, <laughs> you know, if you guys give it to Jimenez, I understand. If you give it to Robert, I understand. Yeah, I I like to go with the finisher, the guy that drives in the run. So I'm going to give it to you, Vinny. Yeah, considering the Sox couldn't finish all of last year uh, and they weren't able to finish on Friday, <laughs> I'd like and, to see uh, more finishing happening this year. Uh, what kind of show is this again? I don't remember. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, hopefully no one else got that joke because I feel ashamed. Um, <laughs> well, so, so with that said, Vinny gets first dibs at this week's pick to click. So, uh, Vincenzo, who are you going to go with? I don't know if I would have taken this guy any other time. I mean, I would take him a bunch. Don't get me wrong. I'll take him three or four times this season. But this specific week, I'm taking him because I would have taken him last week and couldn't. And I'm going to take Tim Anderson. I for Ooh. sure would have taken Tim Anderson if he was playing in games one and two. Um, I'm, you can argue he'd win even if we're just game three. I think Robert and Jimenez were probably a little ahead of him and Vaughn, but nobody picked Vaughn. Um, so this week, I'll make up for not being able to take him last week by taking him this week. My long-winded answer is Tim Anderson, TA7. Awesome, man. I love it. And uh, since Gonzo technically came in second, he already gave me his pick because he had a feeling you were going to pick Tim Anderson because he wanted Tim Anderson, and I told him he wasn't going to get first pick. But uh, our buddy Gonzo, if I could find the text message, Next uh, he week said, he'll be arguing why Tim Anderson doesn't deserve to win over his guy over like a hit by pitch. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which he might have a hit by pitch because Gonzo's pick to click this week is Liam Hendricks heading into this week, Fire expecting a big bounce back from him. So that could pay off in his favor. Uh, Zim, I'll go last. I'll let you take third pick. Who are you going with, buddy? Um, You know, Provided he doesn't get traded for uh, Frankie Montas, I'll I'll go with Andrew Vaughn. Uh, he he was on fire, and with the injury bug biting already, he's going to get plenty of opportunity this week. Um, you know, Joe, if you want Gavin Sheets, I think those two are going to go neck and neck a little bit this week. Uh-huh. But you know, I'll let I'll let you speak for yourself. Well, I I have a hard time not picking this guy because he's dangling out there. Uh, I got to go with Luis Robert. I think it's ridiculous that he's still available to me to choose. Um, so that, that's it's, that's the the no brainer pick of the week there. It's 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 the Chicago fans' greatest dream, right? This team is loaded. There is no wrong answer to this section. And last year, like it felt like at times there actually were. 
because of the injury bug, because of everything. I feel like even if injuries just strike this team down, knock on wood, but should injuries strike this team down, there are still so many good options for this pick to click segment. So to recap, we have Gonzo with Liam Hendricks. We have Vinny with Tim Anderson. I myself am taking Andrew Vaughn and Joe is grabbing the sure thing. Luis Robert. Well, it's going to be a fun week. How often do you get a sure thing at the fourth, the fourth pick? I, that doesn't happen very often. That's what I'm saying. It's going to happen every week this year. It's true. Yeah. It's, it's not a pro, It's not a bad problem to have. And I almost, I almost hit it with AJ Pollock. If he was healthy on Sunday, I, yes. I very well could have hit it. I also believe that if Giolito hadn't gotten injured, I would have a very strong shot at it as well. Yeah, this could so have been a much harder was, decision. He was dealing, but I'm glad they took him out because, you know, imagine how what, what could have been worse. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. They, they caught it when they should have caught it. They're preventing it from getting any worse. And again, it's early in the season, so they're going to take their time to nurse him back, get him where he needs to be. So hey, we gotta- I took. I took Andrew Vaughn and speaking of Andrew Vaughn, I think we just need to roll into the guaranteed take. I'm sorry to cut you off, Joe, but I think it's too good of a transition not to take it. You're you're right. And it was a great segue because now I have it ready to go. So what are we doing now? This is our guaranteed take. Yes, this is this week's guaranteed take, hot topic conversation. And Andrew Vaughn has been mentioned in trade talks for Frankie Montas with the early chunk of pitching injuries. Should Rick Hahn make a deal, including Andrew Vaughn? Vinny Parisi, you recently put up an article about this. What are your thoughts? I would not trade Andrew Vaughn for close to anything. I would trade them for two really good players. Like the White Sox aren't rebuilding, so I wouldn't trade him for the equivalent of a prospect, Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease. That's not where the White Sox are as an organization right now. Um, I would trade him for, let's say the A's gave back Matt Olson and Montas. Then I would, but Matt Olson's a brave now. So, you know, two good players like that. Sure. I'm not dumb. Like, People are like, oh, if they offered Otani and Trout, you'd trade them. I'm like, duh. But I'm talking like a realistic trade. It would be hard for me to trade Andrew Vaughn. Uh, Montas is a great pitcher. He would fit into the White Sox lineup just absolutely flawlessly. Um, he would probably slot right in there as the third guy when Lynn and Giolito are healthy. Um he was the A's opening day starter, I believe. So they see him as their ace as of right now. He might have even gotten that start had the other two guys not been traded off. Bassett and Manaya. I mean, it would have been close. Yeah. All three of them are outstanding. And Manaya took a no-hitter into the eighth inning. So, you know, like, duh, the White Sox should have traded for him too. But I would not give up Vaughn. He was a third overall pick power bat. I would trade Sheets. I would trade Cespedes. I would trade Colas. I would trade Kelly. I would not trade Vaughn. I've seen enough from him. And let's be honest. We finally seen the kid get red hot to start the year. And he had great streaks all the last season. And he he's proving his worth day after day. And we talk, and I talked about it earlier in the show. Jose Abreu, we don't know exactly what's going on with him. He's in the last year of his deal. Of course we want him back. 
But how how could you trade a guy like Andrew Vaughn when he is the future of the position? You could argue he's the future of the franchise alongside Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez, and of course Tim Anderson in the mix there. But Andrew Vaughn is a guy that you know one day could be mentioned in the same sentence as Paul Konerko and and Jim Tomey and Jose Abreu for all time best first basemen on the White Sox. So I just can't see any world that that Han should make this move. Now, if you include Gavin Sheets in the deal, I don't have a problem with it. Don't get me wrong. I love Gavin Sheets. I think he's going to be a huge talent in this league. Um, but I, I just don't see the A's dealing him at this point of the season. Uh, Zim, thoughts? No, you can't trade him. I can't win pick to click if you trade him. So you got to keep him. <laughs> That's the only reason you don't want the trade I, to happen. I just I don't have anything more to add than what you guys have already said. He is potentially a future cornerstone for this franchise. And even, even if he isn't like he's shown enough that you, you know where his floor is and he's at it right now. And I mean, right now he's, he's a great player that we're picking in a pick to click who easily would have been our pick to click last week. You know, we're, if this is his floor, yeah, he's a, he's a great player. That's, that's all we need from this kind of guy. Um, and like Vinny said, if somebody way over offers for him, of course you take the deal. You have to take the deal. So you certainly do. And you know, <laughs> it's a guaranteed take. And it's ironically, it's the rumors started to pick up even more, you know, during this episode, um, Vinny's source says it's all fake news. Um, I saw a report and this is, you know, obviously this is with a grain of salt given Vinny's source, but uh, BR Walkoff on Twitter is reporting that uh, the White Sox are close to. No, I'm sorry, Mike Deportes, uh, Mike Rodriguez apparently is reporting that the White Sox are close to a deal. So uh, there's a name attached to it. How true it is, I don't really know. But uh, you know, I'll take Vinny Source over anybody else right now because they have their ear to the ground, and uh, Vinny knows his stuff. So. And let's be honest, guys. How could they make a trade at this point? And who would be included in the package? Let's speculate for a moment. Vinny, let's say this trade was to happen. Is there any way this deal happens without Andrew Vaughn in it? Um, Maybe. But it would be hefty. Um, I believe it would have happened if Rick Hahn was willing to part with Vaughn. I believe it would be long over. He probably would have started already, and we'd be talking about Michael Kopech making his season debut tomorrow. But 100%. Um, it's clearly not. So if it's Colson Montgomery, Gavin Sheets, Jake Berger, um, I, I'm not sure about Cespedes or Colas from either team's point of view. Neither team has really anything to go off on. The White Sox traded Fernando Tatis Jr. when he was 17 years old, and nobody knew Jack Poop about him. Uh, yeah. We're kind of in the same boat with Colas and Cespedes. One of those two could either, or they both could end up either being just terrible, or they both could end up being like a top prospect like that. You just never know. So any one of these guys is a risk trading. The A's develop White Sox prospects well. Chris Bassett, Frankie Montas, uh, Marcus Semien. Um, did I say Chris Bassett already? Um, you know, they're just good at doing this stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all turns out. Um, I would trade anybody but Vaughn in terms of 
prospect and or second year players. Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't know. I would love the pitching help right now. I certainly wouldn't dislike it, but uh, Andrew Vaughn cannot be dealt in my opinion. And I think we all agree there. And the chat room seems to be an overwhelming no. So uh, great article, Vinny, for those of you uh, who have not seen it, you can head over to southsideshowdown.com. It is the lead article on the top titled trading Andrew Vaughn to the athletics is a terrible idea. So go check it out. Click on it, read it. Love Vinny. Cause we all do. Um, speaking of things that we love gents, um, it, there's, it's time to, to, to dive into some ballpark action. You know, there was some, and we, we like to end the show on a light note every week and kind of a delicious note. Um, and, you know, I have some footage here from, uh, CBS Chicago, thankfully, there are some new food items available at Guaranteed Rate Field this year. And, you know, let's let's take a little bit of a look. I mean, I mean, this all looks delicious. There's some smoked wings, some cheese pierogies. There's a new uh, turkey club sandwich available, a caprese sandwich, a pretzel wrapped bratwurst. And of course, the rainbow cone. I mean, that's the creme de la creme. Gentlemen, Vinny, I know you and I are very excited about this, um, but how important, and Alyssa broke this on our show last week, by the way, Rainbow Ice Cream didn't break it on their social media until two days after our show. But last Monday, April 4th, Alyssa Bergermini broke that the uh, original Rainbow Cone, Vinny, the most delicious ice cream in Chicago, and that's hard to be argued, is going to be available. For those of you who don't know, Zim, I'm not sure if you're familiar with a rainbow cone. Are you? I am familiar with it in principle, but not in practice. Well, that's all right. It's your lucky day. Because, Vinny, I pulled a picture that describes what kind of ice cream is on a rainbow cone and how delicious it is. Just take a look at this. I mean, you get the orange sherbet on the top, the pistachio ice cream with the Palmer House, which is basically a New York vanilla with cherry and walnuts. You get the strawberry and you get the chocolate, which makes a rainbow of ice cream pun intended. And it is a delicious symphony of flavors in the mouth. Vinny, how excited are you to have one at a ball game this year? I am leading off with it tomorrow. It are will you probably be the first thing that I've put in my mouth besides toothpaste and water beef, like in the day, the games at one ten or three ten. Ah, uh, no, I'm going to tailgate. So I don't know. Maybe following hey, some great tasting. Don't, don't fast. Like, don't fast. No, I'm certainly <laughs> not. Do I look like I fast to you? Um, yes, you do. <laughs> um, no, I will. I might because I don't want like a Cuban or a club to like fill me up. I want food is taste better when you're hungrier. I want it the number one possible experience with this rainbow come tomorrow. I've been thinking about it for days. I cannot wait to have it. Yeah, it's some delicious stuff if you haven't had one highly recommend it if you're excited about it let us know in the chat and we'll put it up on the screen uh but zim i gotta get your thoughts on the pretzel wrapped bratwurst you know what do you think about this that single-handedly makes me jealous that i don't think i'm gonna be able to make a chicago trip this year like that looks so good (laughs) i love I love pretzel buns on like hot dogs and, and burgers and put one on a bratwurst like that. Like I'm just imagining smothering that thing in some nacho cheese or some mustard and just going to town on it. 
Yeah, and then and speaking of brats, they also oh wait, that's the wrong that's the wrong image. Do I not have it? Here it is. They also have a uh, blue moon brats that are like uh, yeah. cooked in blue moon with like grilled onions. I mean that that looks and and smells delicious. I could smell it through the screen. Yeah, that is something uh-huh. we're very familiar with here in Denver. You know, blue moons brewed just up the road here, so yeah, we get those to your heart's content content during summer. Yeah, and this a uh, couple. You know, a lot of people were trying to get. You know, we've got pierogies in the park, but a lot of people have been really hoping to get like a cheddar pierogi, and the White Sox have, have come through with that. You know, look at those cheddar pierogies. Um, I tell you what, I had a pierogi at a ball game for the first time a couple of years ago at like Polish Heritage Night. The White Sox do it every year, and uh, it's a game changer, man. I've had pierogies before, but never at a ballpark, and I could get used to it, man. Uh, a pierogi you know, slopping it down with a like, nice cold beer, whether it's a summer shandy or now a, a Miller light. Uh, that doesn't sound too bad. Uh, of course, uh, the, the pierog- you can only get the cheddar pierogies. They're Froman cheddar pierogies and they're in section 126. I'll give you guys some of the destinations. Vinny, I'll tell you right now where you get an ice cream, a rainbow ice cream. So you know where to go tomorrow. Uh, it's section 158. So that is in left field, right by the bullpen. That's Head close. over there. That's close to some familiar seats, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Vinny's like, Joe, your seats are near there, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, if anyone's interested in knowing where my <laughs> seats are, they are in section 154, um, first row off the aisle. So I'm right there near the concourse. Stop by and say hello. I won't be there this weekend, but uh, a couple times this year. Yeah. I like that the less distance I have to travel to get my rainbow cone, the better. So. Those seats are good yeah. seats. You're gonna eat like four of those tomorrow, aren't you? I'm. Don't test me. Don't threaten me with a good time, Stephen Zim Zimmerman. Yeah, four rainbow cones <laughs> might set him back eighty dollars, though. You know, That's you got to save the money for some some. That is true. Food. That's true. Don't forget, <laughs> I have to eat fifteen Cubans between now and June too. And you got to try these new smoked wings, Vinny. You got a uh, section on those wings? Yes, I do. They are in section one hundred and one. Uh, the heat. I'm using hockey players. I'm using hockey players to remember what section each one is. If you need a a guide, you can look at the South Burb Sitman show notes that we have shared on your phone tomorrow, Vinny. And it has all the sections. (laughs) Um, I'm scrolling down as the show goes. No, you're good. Uh, (laughs) You can get the wings on the 100 level in section 101. And if you're on the 500 level at section 529. And they're smoked wings, which are dry rubbed over a hickory hardwood and served with barbecue sauce. Delightful. So, that does sound absolutely delightful. And uh, all the carvery sandwiches that we talked about, including the caprese and and my favorite, the corned beef sandwich and a couple of all those other things, you can get those only at section 109 at the Chef Signature Carvery Station. And uh, I think that corned beef sandwich with that jalapeno slaw and the chips is the best value you can get in the ballpark. It's like $14, but like literally the sandwich is the size of my head and you get enough chips and two pickles to like feed, you know, three of your friends. So uh, best value in the ballpark. Highly suggest you check that out in section 109. And we covered main the main uh, the main new additions. It's exciting always to see this stuff, Vinny. I mean, it's got to be excited being there. Yeah, I'm excited for this season. Um, it's more fun scarfing that stuff down when the team has a chance to do some serious damage in the regular season, which I'm expecting them to do. Um, 
should have nice weather. I mean, for those going to the ballpark tomorrow, you can come find me. I'll be around. Say hello. I love everyone. Um, but, you know, warm weather, good team, good food. There's beer all over the place. You know, it, it's just a great place to catch a ball game. Everybody, if you're a White Sox fan, go to the park this summer. You'll have a great time. Yeah. What, what section is Vinny sitting in tomorrow? I don't know the section by heart. I don't normally ever sit in the outfield, but I am. For the lower level? Season. Okay. It is in the lower level. Um, I'm in the outfield. I can't I can't think of the section, what number it is. It's not far from Miller Lite, though. That was kind of the point. It, it was a present for Joey's birthday. Happy birthday to you, Joseph. And, you know, we like Miller Lite, so we're sitting near there. You, do you do the high life at all, Vinny, or do you just do the Miller the Miller Lite? I like high life, but if I had to choose, I would choose Miller Lite. I'm pretty simple. I'm going to definitely try some, some Line and Kugel Summer Shandy throughout the summer, too. I don't know about tomorrow, but definitely throughout the summer. When it's 80 or 90 and yeah. I'm at the game in a T-shirt, I'll for sure be checking in on those for sure. Yeah, tomorrow's not quite warm enough for a summer shandy yet. For You'll me, get there, some though. people can just dummy summer shandy in like January. But for me, it's definitely a summer drink. For sure. And, and I'm just happy to pull it up, gents, just so we could take a peek. And there's a surprising amount of tickets left. I mean, if you look downstairs, this is lower level here. you got stuff towards the White Sox dugout, uh, behind home plate, and then going down the first baseline. Uh, usually you can't touch an opening day ticket on the night before. Um, you can get quite a few here at face value. Uh, you can even get a couple in section 109. Look at this. There you go. I'm sorry, that's 108. I lied. Uh, 64 bucks for basically a ticket. And uh, some of these behind home plate a little pricier if you go down here. About 124 bucks behind home plate, but you're getting really close to the action there. Uh, surprising that there is that much available at this point. But uh, we actually did got a question in the chat room about that. And I figured this is a great segue. Joe in the chat wants to know, why do you think there's so many tickets left? Is it because of the lockout? That's a great question. I don't know. Um, it certainly is possible, but I don't think it's because of people abandoning baseball. I think a great point was made to me by my girlfriend Katie last week that people thought the home opener was going to be three weeks ago or two weeks ago, whatever it is. So maybe those people took off for work then. And then, you know, once it was announced that the home opener would be the 12th of April instead of the 31st of March, that's a 13 day difference. So I often wonder if just scheduling conflicts because of the lockout are the reason that there is this, you know, need for tickets on opening day. It's definitely an interesting conversation, but Part of me thinks they ended the lockout just in time to not alienate people. Maybe, though. There are probably some people angry hearing about, you know, millionaires and billionaires arguing over money while there's a war going on. You know, that might have turned some people off, but I do think there's a lot of scheduling conflict of people who have to be at opening day thinking it was two weeks earlier. Well, in in the most, you know, I don't know if you guys saw this, but it, it kind of annoyed me. Robert Menfred wants to amend the relationship with players. Did you guys see the story today? He gave every player in Major League Baseball a pair of Bose headphones. Yeah. I, I, I bet that. they all already had pretty decent yeah. headphones. You know, why don't they just hand them out? At this point, I might as well give them to all the fans. I have pretty decent headphones, and I make about one billionth 
of a percentage of what a minimum contract in Major League Baseball is. My headphones are sweet. Yeah, that dude's so out of touch. Uh, this whole, that whole thing, I just I was like, man, how out of touch is this guy that he's got to offer these guys headphones? Yeah. And like, next thing you know, he'll be offering them free uniforms for whatever team they want. I mean, yeah. you might as well give him. You might as well give him a Chipotle gift card at this point, right? Yeah, and what was exactly. the, the Dodgers paying for all the expenses in the locker room, like the vending machines and stuff? Like, oh, congratulations, Dodgers, highest payroll yeah. in the MLB. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know, all good fun, uh, but uh, just grinded my gears a little bit today, gentlemen. We reached the tail end of our show, but not before we get to promo our guest next week. Do you guys remember who our guest is? I know, <laughs> but it's all right. Did it you is remember a person. Go, Go ahead. ahead. Someone someone knows. Vinny, go for it. Did he recently win a tournament of some sort? No, that is in two weeks. Okay, okay. That's all right. I'll go ahead and take it. But um, next week, guys, we have Justin Lee joining us from Bad Guy Radio. He'll be with us on the show. And we'll be uh, talking all White Sox, getting out of control. I've run into Justin a couple times with our buddy, our buddy Gabriel, and and uh, we hung out a couple times. Actually, Vinny was with me last time when when we ran into Gabe when we were sitting at uh, is it still called Chai Sox Bar and Grill? I believe it is. Um, and we think we were sitting there. I don't know if it's still called that. We should find out. I'm I'm assuming it is. I'll have to do some stupid on the White Sox website, but. Uh, Justin Lee was hanging out with Gabriel and he'll be on the show next week. And then Vinny, you might as well tease it two weeks from now. And and that's our show on, let me see, it's April 25th. Why don't you go ahead and announce that guest, Vinny? Yeah. So on April 25th, it's going to be Brian Knights. Brian Knights is one of the better White Sox follows on Twitter. He recently won the From the 108 March Madness style tournament of White Sox Twitter personalities. I was in it in the battle royale round and got my booty kicked by Gas Money Bob, but that's a story for another day. We'll see my socks armor if you can actually include me next year, you complete jerk. Um, <laughs> I love my socks armor, Cherizy and uh, Beef Loaf. So credit to them. They put on a great show. Um, you know, Brian Knights, he's going to come join, tell us about the tournament, talk White Sox baseball, cue the mother effing Blue Bro- Blues Brothers, all that sort of stuff that he does. I'm excited to talk to him. He's an interesting cat. Yes, he is. I was checking out some of his Twitter videos today. It's always always fun over there. I could see why he won the tourney. Um, so that's going to be fun coming up in a couple of weeks. But always on South Burb Sitman, we're bringing the guests, we're bringing the fire. We are bringing the fun every single Monday night here on the Barroom Network. And, uh, of course, there's all the other great shows on the Barroom. you got Mike North Advantage. Vinny, got Crosstown Crosstalk. you got Bar Down. Um, what else we got going on this week? We've got um, Science Fliction. Um, I'm sure I'm drawing a blank here and, and forget all, oh, all Dan and Aldo bear their souls. They've got Jim McMahon on the show this week, guys. That's huge. I believe that's huge. Well, I saw be tomorrow that night. The floor. Yeah. That'll be tomorrow night here on the Barroom network. Jim McMahon, the punky QB will be joining Dan and Aldo and what will definitely be, um, you know, a show to remember. So tune in tomorrow night on this network. It's going to be unbelievable. Do not miss it. But guys, let's get to our shout outs. You know, let's wrap things up with a nice bow and get out of here before we hit the two hour mark. Uh, Steven Zim Zimmerman, what do you got for shout outs, my friend? 
You know, I don't have much this week. I uh, I started a new job, so that's pretty much consumed most of my life. But shout out to you guys, honestly, for keeping me on pace with the socks. I probably would have let it fall by the wayside otherwise. And you guys, you guys kept me on my up and up this week, so I appreciate that. You know, I appreciate the heck out of my former coworkers too. I missed them a lot this past week. It's kind of sucked having to work without guys that you really like around. And you know, I'm building that new camaraderie at my new job, but you know, you, you always miss the old guys, right? So I don't know if they're watching tonight or not, but I miss them. So I'll leave it to you guys. Hey, you'll get there, brother, soon enough. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Vincent Vinny Parisi, what do you got for shout outs, my friend? Well, in my shout out section, I always give love to my girlfriend, Katie. She's everything to me. Um, my mom, dad, brother, Joey, happy birthday, Joseph. I hope you enjoyed your little surprise party that we threw for you this week and we got the tickets for Tuesday's game. But I also want to give a little special shout out to a good friend of mine, Amy and Tim, who gave me this Hawk Harrelson alarm. Oh, clock. yes. The classic. I've got one it of those. Is Awesome. I love this thing. And they also hooked it up with two outstanding tickets behind the Chicago White Sox bench on Thursday against the Seattle Mariners. So we'll see. I think it might be Dylan Cease on the mound. We'll see how it all shakes out. I know there's a very minimal chance to actually play on Wednesday because of the weather. So we'll see how that changes everything if they give Dallas Keuchel a go anyway. But, you know, Amy, Tim, thank you so much. I'm very appreciative. I love this gift and I love the tickets to the Sox game. I'm so excited to go. And see everyone at the ballpark this summer. Yeah, man, we appreciate it, and uh, we we can't wait to see everybody at the ballpark. So we'll have to pick the day that Vinny and I catch one together and let you guys come come say hello. And uh, it's been great. Uh, I'm going to immediately start things off with my shout outs to the chat room. Uh, great stuff tonight, gents, or ladies and gents. There's a little bit of everybody in the chat room. Everyone's enjoying the show. We appreciate everybody. Hey, there's our guy Gabe. Rocky himself has joined us, and uh, he said he's going to come see you, Vinny. So look out. Gabe's coming. Come Gabe's see me, coming Gabe. for you. You have a large following and fandom in this house. We read all your tweets. That's right. Crack up all the time. You are hilarious, Gabe. Thank you for the content. And and he told me he prefers to be called Rocky. So I, I'm calling you Rocky, Gabriel. We're don't, calling don't Gabe think, Rocky now? Okay. Gabe, don't I want think... a picture. So we saw the skunk with the Packers logo and a Cubs logo on it today. I'd like to see one with a New York Rangers logo, Gabe. A skunk with a New York Rangers logo on it. Stinky Rangers. Ew. Yeah, we're all aboard the train there. <laughs> uh, but no, in all seriousness, you know, Gabriel's the man. Uh, I call him Rocky because he asked me to. So don't worry. I will call you Rocky until the end of time. And he will come say hi. I'll see you soon too, Gabriel. I promise. We'll be we'll be down there hanging out by Chai Sox one day soon. You mark my words. Um, then of course I'm gonna shout out my beautiful wife Catherine, my baby girl Audrey. Um, love you guys to the moon and back, and my two year old Great Dane, the big the big Chungus I like to call him Maverick. I named my fantasy baseball team after him, the Big Chungus. So hopefully that means good things. Vinny's kicking my ass in fantasy this week, but um, you know we'll see what happens the rest of the way. And of course, uh, all of you guys, you know, Vinny, Zim, and Gonzo, you know, I appreciate you guys doing this with me every week, talking baseball all week long. And somehow we pull together the show every single week. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And I, and I got to thank our guest, Phil Selig from Cuba Dugout. Great conversation. If you guys missed it, tune back in as soon as it's on YouTube, as soon as the show wraps. Great conversation. Great talk about upcoming Cuban players and some of the White Sox current Cuban players. It's all fun and games, and there's exciting stuff here on the south side. 
I know we are ready for our home opener tomorrow. Real quick, guys, before we leave, Vinny, prediction for tomorrow. I believe the White Sox will win tomorrow 8-7. I love it. Zim, prediction for tomorrow. 17-4 to White Sox. Wow. All right, I'm going to go White Sox 8, uh, Mariners 5, 8-5. to five. And uh, Gonzo didn't give me a prediction, but I have a feeling he's going to predict that the Sox win 800-0. to zero. So uh, that's our predictions. That's the show for tonight. For the South Burbs Hitmen, I'm Joe Mandel. That's Vinny Parisi, and that's Steven Zim Zimmerman. We will be back next week with Justin Lee from Bad Guy Radio. We'll see you guys next. See you guys next week. Go White Sox, Vinny. We'll see you guys at the home opener. Let's go get that W. See you guys next week. I the wrong clip. There we go. Now we'll see you guys next week. Bye, mom. Bye, mom.